Welcome listeners to season six, episode 15 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Shar, and my pronouns are she, they. And I'm Kelly and my pronouns are they, them. And this week we are continuing our Halloween celebrations by watching <gasps> Spree from 2020. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to be perfect for a late night rideshare shift. But don't drink and drive. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's a, That was a bad thing to write. <laughs> this episode will contain discussion on sexual violence, violence against women, and misogyny. If any of these things or something that you need to not hear about today, skip this episode and we'll see you next time. That being said, though, this is one of those movies where I'm like, if you haven't seen it, please watch it. It's so good. It's so fun. Found footage. That's my burying of the lead here. But Kelly, <laughs> what did you make? What is this beverage in front of me that looks fancy AF? Uh, so I call this one late night rideshare. Maybe what I should have said is it's perfect after a uh, late yeah. shift. Yeah. yeah, there we go. So I have we bought a bunch of like fancy stuff early in the season because I wanted to try to expand. And I feel like I ended up not using a lot of them. Um, so and now it's the end. <laughs> yeah, now it's the end. So I put all of them in one drink. There you go. Um, we bought one called Ferne Branca, which is apparently incredibly hipster. Uh, so I'm surprised that it took me this long to use it. So <laughs> the base of this drink is vodka, about one and a half ounce, and then about half ounce equal of uh, Ferne Branca, coffee liqueur, and Mia Amata, and some chocolate bitters just to round the whole thing off. And then I put a orange rind, orange peel. Yep. Yeah. So it looks really fancy. And I put a little sphere whiskey glass in there and uh, it's got a nice like brown color to it. Kind of looks like Coke, honestly. It, it, yeah, it, with a, <laughs> or like a Long Island, but obviously very small uh, because this is all liquor. Yeah, no Coke in liquor. there. It's got a it's very like the bitters, I think, are coming through in a really nice way. It's definitely a Kelly drink. We've yes. we did a char drink last episode. This is definitely a Kelly drink. We've done a lot of char drinks recently. So And I'm not even making them. Yeah. <laughs> um I really like it. I've actually had this before. It's Ooh. sometimes I like to have it with whiskey instead of vodka because then it's got a little bit more burn to it, but I don't have any whiskey and I'm sad about that. Uh, um it feels like one of those drinks that you can kind of put whatever base you want i could see this being really good with like a, a really flowery gin i can see it i've mm. had it with whiskey and it's really good the vodka is great i think the um uh the other flavors come forward more if you use vodka so just kind of decide what flavor profile you want and that's uh, kind and of use true vodka is sort of like a, a base slate which is weird. It does have a flavor, but it's not as pronounced, I guess, as some of yeah. the other things that we use as like the typical bases of drinks. We There's been some vodka that I drink it by itself because it does have a really nice flavor. But uh, we bought, you know, standard filler vodka. So <laughs> we just use that. Um, so, yeah, have fun with it. I'm enjoying it. It's good. This is definitely like a nice sip drink after, as you said, an, a night of ride sharing and, yeah. you know, perhaps murdering. <laughs> <laughs> Before we dive into the specifics and the synopsis that I'm going to have to improvise with your help, Kelly, because there wasn't one. I have to thank all of our patrons, which are Nicholas G, Jacob M, Diana S, Ollie A, Aiden T, Jackie V, Roxanne B, Les Represent Podcast, Colleen D, and Aubrielle. I hope that all of you are having a very nice October. Right now, it's like the middle-ish of October 2022. And I know it can be kind of scary out there with the vid and everything. We're doing just our own private Halloween as per <laughs> usual. So I hope you guys are finding some some fun and some love yeah. with uh, the Halloween season. We've managed to watch one Halloween movie. I was going to say scary movie, but we watched Halloween Town one of the nights. So <laughs> uh, we've managed to watch one, at least one Halloweeny thing for the last uh, 16 nights. Yeah, and we kicked it off with Hocus Pocus, too. That's also not very that's horror. True. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> Although that movie was a little hor horrifying in other ways. But this week... We watched Spree, and I hope you watched it too, because holy cow, I love it. 
It premiered on August 14th, 2020. It's written by Eugene Kotliarenko and Jean McHugh and directed by Eugene Kotliarenko. It stars Joe Keery as rideshare driver and content creator Kurt Kunkel, Sashir Zamata as comedian and final girl Jesse Adams, and David Arquette as Kurt's deadbeat dad, Chris Kunkel. <laughs> there was no synopsis besides the one-liner that comes on the movie poster. Thirsty for a following, Kurt Kunkel is a rideshare driver who has figured out a deadly plan to go viral. And the film starts with a sort of compilation of videos of Kurt Kunkel. This is a found footage movie, so it's kind of like documentary-esque or not really documentary, but it has definitely been edited for time of Kurt's videos, both on YouTube and as he's being a rideshare driver. Um, He does a lot of unboxing videos, reviews, lifestyle videos, and they're all very bad. It starts off with like a a tagline that he has lived his life online in obscurity. Thousands of hours of content have been created, but he's never reached or barely ever reaches more than single digits. But today, everything changes. And Kurt starts talking about the lesson. His big plan is sharing the lesson with his viewers, with his followers, and how you can go viral too if you just follow the lesson, you know, at Hashtag Kurt's the World. Lesson. 96. <laughs> And um, we see him like preparing his water bottles for the back of his vehicle so he could be a good rideshare driver. And he starts picking people up and we don't really know what's going on, but he's live streaming this entire thing. So he's got his phone set up. He's got various camera angles in the car. And the first person he picks up is a white supremacist, which is not fun. (laughs) We'll say lots of bad things about Kurt, but he is not a racist. And he was very adamant about not letting that sort of shit fly. You Um, also forget to mention that uh, he has Bobby Basecamp um, watching him and comment. He's like the only one commenting on the entire live stream. So he calls out how this entire stream is going to be racist now and dissuades that (laughs) yeah don't worry bobby no (laughs) then we see this man sort of have an issue he drinks the water and then starts coughing and sputtering and sort of passes out a bit and then we just cut and the guy's not in the back seat anymore and the movie continues and then we pick up the next person who's this lady who's like a yoga retreat person she's got like a a plant with her and uh she also drinks the water and then she also starts to pass out and then we get a cutback of kurt to showing you how to drug plastic water bottles so that the people will never know you just got to do it on the label a little bit of hot glue that's it yeah uh and now we realize that kurt is trying to kill as many people as possible without getting caught because eventually it will go ride it will go viral the record i think is six and he's already killed two so far Mm -hmm. and this continues on he picks up an asshole misogynist who's like wanting to go see some chick to get laid because that's the only way to better his day but then new part about spree which is the app that they use for ride sharing you can do a co-spree you can have multiple people in the back seat to like share the load so they pick up this other woman this black woman jesse adams and she's recognized by the asshole in the back seat she's a famous comedian and kurt immediately is like oh my gosh you have so many followers. Tell tell my viewers, how did you grow your following? Oh, follow me. I'm Kurt's World 96. <laughs> follow <her> follow. <laughs> <laughs> she takes a water bottle as she's leaving the vehicle because she's fed up with all the misogyny and Kurt's very weird vibes. And Kurt's like, oh, no, you can't take that. Please don't. The misogynist continues to like run his mouth. So Jesse sprays the water at this guy's face and throws the rest of it at Kurt's car and walks away. She survives. Meanwhile, obviously, the misogynist gets killed and Kurt continues. But people are not watching him. This doesn't seem to get more viewers coming to his channel. Bobby Basecamp is still there saying that it's evil shit and he doesn't want to be involved. And then we get Kurt driving. And we also see the live stream of Jesse Adams, who's back in her grandmother's house. And Kurt uh, eventually... It pops up at someone's door right when Jesse Adams has a knock on the door. She heads down to open it 
And it's some guy that's wanting to take her to her famous or not famous, her her big break show. The Joke Bros show is going to be streamed to millions of people. But Kurt is actually at Bobby Basecamp's home and he murders him live on stream. We This is the first real. Well, it's the most graphic, I would say, where we get like stabbing a lot of blood. Uh, Kurt showers <laughs> while streaming blood streaming down his hair. And he also hosts his own stream using Bobby's computer, which gets the big like influx of initial people watching to start spreading the word. So he gets called by his dad because his dad needs a ride to his DJ gig. Um, and after complaining for a while, the chat says that his dad is working with a very famous streamer and they have to go get him so that they can see DJ her. Uno. Um, they get there. It's really sad. And uh, she ends up jumping in his car because she wants to go to the most famous taco place in L.A. She finds his gun that he stole from uh, Bobby and also drink some of the water, passes out, and then some cops come by and interrogate Kurt. And while he's getting the sobriety test, she wakes up and shoots one of the cops in the head. Uh, he Immediately. Hops his, she yeah. just wakes up and then shoots. And then runs away. <laughs> Kurt hops in his car, drives away, and a chase starts. He then crashes his car when talking. It's a talk- huge crash. Yeah. And uh, then we cut to Jesse Adams' show as she's performing then we see that kurt made it and is at that show with the gun and basically is going to shoot her during the show live on stream and then she starts talking about him in a very sad way about how she used to be in his position clamoring for views and asking for everyone to follow her and social media has basically ruined her life so she destroys her phone uh kurt leaves and gets in a what was the alternate to spree? I can't remember, but another a, a, a com- competitor. Yeah, gets into a competitor. An, an, another ride share probably kills that guy because when she orders a I was going to say Uber, when she orders a car for herself, <laughs> Kurt picks her up in this car that was from the one that he was in the passenger seat of. Um, and then he talks about how watching her show inspired him that he's no longer about hate anymore and how the best way to get views is to make a sex tape because that's how DJ Uno was popular. And it's implied that he's going to um, force her to make a sex tape with him. She attacks him and then gets knocked out and he puts her out in the field in front of his house and basically asks everybody viewer, should he uh, fuck Mary or kill her? And this entire time on the screen, not just now, there's been like the side chat, which was very dead for the first half of the movie as nobody is watching besides Bobby Basecamp. But at this point, there are thousands and thousands of people like over 50,000 people are watching Kurt this whole time. And he does this poll and it starts off with people mainly saying fuck. So raping her, let's be clear. Mm -hmm. But then it switches dramatically to everybody wanting him to kill this black woman. He tries to hit her and fails enough that she manages to escape. He gets out to check and she hops into the car and drives after him running into his house where his dad stumbles out with needles in his arms and finds her and tries to stop her, finds out that his wife is dead, which we saw. We had seen Kurt walk into his home at the beginning of the movie and didn't know why. And apparently it was to kill his mom. He was like, oh, shit, I forgot. And she was like mad that he didn't put out the trash. So we we think it's because <laughs> of that. But then, no. Oh, I forgot to kill my mom. One second. Be right back. Um, And then uh, a struggle ensues and she manages to hit uh, Kurt after he kills his dad and uh, takes a selfie with him. And then we get a montage of her skyrocketing to fame from being a survivor and being a comedian and becoming a woman of the year. But then we also see a montage that the darker side of the Internet almost idolizes Kurt now and has created this shrine. And it's heavily implied that the movie we just watched was them Mm -hmm. compiling all of his live streams into a movie. And that's it. It's so funny. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like the funniness isn't really it's it's all about the way that he acts. But we'll talk about that later. Here's a hint of it with that trailer audio. For all of you out there who don't know me, get ready. Because you're about to know me. I'm Kurt. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. What's up, guys? We're going to inject this right on the label. 
Does this water have like a taste to it? Airtight. Well, watertight. <laughs> if you're not documenting yourself, you just don't exist. You don't know what this job's like. You Put don't that know. Fucking no, gun no. taking you home. This is not the way to my fucking house, Kurt. Oh, no, not your home. My home. That was a really good trailer. I got goosebumps. <laughs> I like, I guess I'm just a stan of Kurt Conkle and Control <laughs> oh, 96, no. but. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah. Oh, man, though, it was like you could see the kind of humor, the cringe factor was there with Kurt's, the clips that they used of Kurt, but then they also made it feel very more like it was pretty scary feeling it was more thrillery than it felt watching it yeah it's interesting that they chose um scenes that almost made him look not like the villain like here and there like when he was talking to his dad and he's like you don't know what this job is like it almost made it look like there would be more back and forth of him being the hero and stuff i guess do you know what I mean? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like maybe being a maybe it was going to be a movie more about how like he picks people up and they're dangerous, and he kind of gets to this point of having to be like having to defend himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you kind of got that, but then at the end when he's like, uh, "I'm bringing you home," and she's like, "This is not the way to my house. No, my home." Right? Yeah. Kind of. It kind of <laughs> lends itself more to him being the villain. Totally. Yeah. Um. Oof. You want you want some points? I do, please. I'm so excited to discuss this movie, y'all. <laughs> um, so f- right off the bat, I mean, you kind of already said it. Uh, I absolutely love Joe Keery's performance in this movie, which funnily enough is exactly what I had said about Dashcam two episodes ago. Uh, it, yeah, it's 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 very similar. I wouldn't say like similar performance, but it's very similar in the way that the person you're looking at for 100% of this movie ha- should probably be able to the- carry the movie now. Mm-hmm. Both this and Dashcam rely so heavily on the believability of this person. Yeah. That both Annie and Kurt, it feels like you're watching a like a real person in a movie, I guess. Like I would walk away if I met either of these people. Yeah. <laughs> but at no point, I guess... Uh, this is a very I totally know what you mean, though, because it's also to be said that we are huge Stranger Things fans. So we I see Joe Curie and I think Steve, yeah. Steve Harrington. But I don't think that at all when I watch this movie, which is a feat to his performance. And I can't wait to see what else he does. Yeah. And like, yeah, he so easily could have fallen into the trap of like heartthrob uh kind of yeah. actor but this he really still had the long hair but it was so it was so gross and oily gross. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like at no point in this movie do they do anything out of character i guess which is a testament to both the writing and the acting mm-hmm. and they never make any decisions that you would not think that their character would make it's just a very tight experience and i th- i think that is probably a very very complicated thing to do when your character is 100 percent on the screen yeah um like for live theater we've gone to tons of live performances and there's occasionally that moment where the, the believability kind of fades a little bit um and with a film you could as a writer you could so easily like make your character do something that they normally wouldn't do just to fit the plot or like to move the plot in a direction and i don't think at any point kurt ever does anything that you wouldn't be like ah he's just doing that so that they can show this um it's very great i like that yeah um, and even though they're both terrible people, they are both so enjoyable to watch for an hour plus straight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, again, yeah, is a testament to uh, both of them. It gets funnier the more you watch it. I think this film, it's kind of like The Office. I started watching The Office for the first time and didn't like I didn't find it super funny. And mm. then after you get through like three episodes, you're like, oh, I see it's it's I got it now. <laughs> and with this film, I mean, it always was funny. It was always great. But the more I've watched it, I think I've seen it three or four times now. Each time I just laugh more <laughs> at the cringe of it all. Yeah. And there's so much going on 
all the time as well that you yeah. pick up some, especially with the ongoing feed of the comments, especially later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, every time you watch it, you kind of pick up different things that you maybe didn't notice the first time, uh, which is really cool. My second point, still kind of mentioning dash cam. Um, I had mentioned when we watched that, that these kinds of found footage movies for me are like the next generation of found footage movies. And it shows the mm-hmm. like desperation of a content creator always having to show what's happening to them in the hopes that people are watching. But he I, says specifically, he's like, if you're not documenting yourself, you don't exist. Yeah, exactly. And then when he's in the shower, you're watching me, guys, yeah. <laughs> guys, you're watching me. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> you want to see my ah! boner? <laughs> <laughs> And then he's like, no, that'll be later. I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, what are you Foreshadowing. doing? <laughs> um, this one is definitely more focused on the desperation of being a content creator. I think Dashcam was more just like, mm-hmm. that's her life and she does it. This one is, I f- need this to succeed. She was more successful than he is. Exactly. <laughs> uh, like Kurt's entire motivation, his super objective, you might call it. Mm -hmm. Um, is to be popular online and he'll do anything to achieve it. Um, And as you said, like uh, it's, it's funnier watching it again, but it's also, you pick up more of the sadness in the character the second time. Mm. And I sort of realized two things about Kurt that I didn't realize the first time we had watched this movie. Uh, The first one is that he almost, you could consider it offhandedly mentions nine 11 at the beginning of the movie yeah. He's talking about like, I remember that day dad was crying. The world changed. Everybody was watching. And I think that's the part that gets me is that he says that everybody is watching because I think that that was a definitive moment for his life is that he saw the reaction of 9-11 as a success. So many were eyes were on it. So many people watched it. It was mm-hmm. like such mm-hmm. a heavily viewed event that in his mind, he locked in that that sort of thing dra- like grabs people's attention. Um, and he's, t- I think he said he's 25 in the movie, which is only like six years younger five years younger than when, when this movie came out than me. And I think like he was at that age where he saw this, didn't process how sad it was because what five-year-old is like thinking about terrorism at that to Mm -hmm. that extent terrorism terrorism (laughs) what what five-year-old is thinking about terrorism uh (laughs) so it kind of was a defining moment in his life that hey if terrible events happen people will watch um which i think led to this event as well as my second point i didn't notice but when he's talking to bobby at the gas station when he's saying like nobody's watching you said you were going to retweet me etc right in front of a cop yeah (laughs) yeah um he mentions how he he mentions like other people doing this and filming it but it's heavily it's kind of implied that they were fake but i don't think kurt realized that he mentions like all of these other videos of doing it he mentions bobby doing the like homeless hero video and bobby's like dude those were fake and he goes and watches it and i think that bobby or i think that kurt may have been watching fake videos of serial killers from Spree or from Rideshare thinking that they were all real. I don't think that the quote, I mean, it might have been, but I think that a lot of what he was doing was fake, but he didn't realize it. So he was recreating all of the things that they had done for real. And I don't know. I think that that sort of delusion mixed with the idea that he knows that disaster brings in views kind of created this monster that was like very sociopathically, very like nonchalantly murdering people so that yeah. he could get the views. Kurt's World 96. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking and screaming. Follow us. Hashtag the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very, very interesting. He is. You're right. Like he's, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but like throwing around the word like sociopath or whatever, like he has no remorse at all. He kills all these people. I mean, it starts off with like a racist bigot, but then it's also other people that are just living their lives. And it's very interesting how he's so uncaring. He's like, and this is how you do it. And like, yeah, he doesn't even he's not even connecting the fact that he's taking lives, which I think is like Yeah, like he probably watched a bunch of YouTube videos where it's like spree driver goes on a killing spree and it's like a made up fake video or whatever. Um, So he's like, oh, they didn't get in trouble for doing it. Like reading articles about people doing it like that are true. I mean, it's 
no secret that when spree killings, which is funny that the thing is called spree, <laughs> happen, that is what happens. The media does a circus about the perpetrator. At the end of this movie, it happens where Jesse Adams gets that fame, but the internet underworld still idolizes Kurt. But it's like the Montreal massacre mm-hmm. that happened. That was huge. And everyone says his name all the time. And it's become this sort of mantra in feminist organizations and in our society now to like instead list off all the women that this person killed. Yeah. So they even mentioned at the end of the movie, they're like, don't say his name with. And then. Yeah. That, but then the image of the that article has Kurt's name, mm-hmm. which I guess is also a commentary. They don't care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It totally is a commentary about this and about social media in general. Yeah. I mean, I it's hmm. I don't say all of these things to say like, oh, he's totally justified or like the system failed him because movies like Dahmer and my friend Dahmer and Dahmer and whatever other fucking seven or eight successful movies. Ted Bundy, yeah. all these Ted Bundys. Um, they sort of like look for the human side behind the serial killers and totally ignore the still living vi- uh, family members of the victims who have been uh, harassed with the making and of these movies. have to relive the worst parts of their lives over and yeah. over. So, I mean, Kurt still is a psychopath that murdered tons of people. I don't know. Those were just things that I thought. That could justify mm-hmm. or not justify that could explain his actions. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have thoughts before I shove my foot further in my mouth? <laughs> well, don't worry, I do, but before that, it's time for Whispers Beyond. Because we have a new patron. Holy cow. Nora D, thank you so much for becoming a patron. We are so, so grateful. So excited that we got your message. She also wrote to us and said, hiya, wrote a few weeks ago about having kids with mental health problems. Totally remember that. Really appreciate you sharing. Uh, And also evil magic. And realized that I wasn't supporting you guys on here, which is an oversight, clearly. Heart, love your show. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. It feels funny to be doing like a Patreon thank you in a in a for a film that's all about like follow us. You know? At drink underscore score scream. Follow us on yeah, Twitter. Us. Like and share. Thanks for the follow. Listen, follow, listen follow to every patron. episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's apt, but, I think. It's perfect. Thank you very much for uh, allowing us this moment. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And now you'll be part of the show every week, which is awesome. We're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. This season of Drinking and Screaming would not be possible without the support of Mad Lab Distillery. We are near the end of this season, but they have been with us since the very beginning, and we greatly appreciate it. We hope to see you next season as well. You can support the show and Mad Lab Distillery by trying some of their handcrafted products. You can get their awesome stuff at a private liquor store near you or at madlabdistilling.com. We use their chocolate bitters in today's cocktail. Make sure you check out their bitter collection. You can follow us, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream. Follow for follow. We follow back all the time. Facebook at drink and scream. You know, at drink underscore scream wasn't really there for us. So we had to do the other one. But don't worry. It's still cool. You can also email us at drinking and screaming at gmail.com. Always scream responsibly. Drinking and screaming. <laughs> for more information and to buy some merch, go to drinking and screaming.com. Follow for follow. Make sure that uh, we like uh, your videos, too. And we'll retweet uh, hashtag uh, the links in the bio. Uh, <laughs> let's. Uh, hey, guys, let's get back to the episode now. That was so good. <laughs> <laughs> Diving into my thoughts, I sort of love this movie too much that I kind of like regret. I just like word vomited everything at the beginning of this episode <laughs> for my thoughts. But now I'll go a bit further into them that my first point about this movie is that it's not really a scary horror film. This is a great movie if you're a, if you are a self-proclaimed scaredy cat. 
Um, there are many deaths, but there aren't jump scares. There aren't there isn't even really much gore. There's that one like you see Bobby Basecamp get stabbed. Uh, and even then you don't even see the knife, but you do see like the blood mm-hmm. aftermath. And I find that it's really interesting because it's not a scary horror film, but it is horrifying. And that trailer did a very good job of it, too. Just seeing the trailer, a quick snippet of it. What makes this movie so horrifying is how undeniably real it is. And you were saying that too, Kelly, that like we see these kinds of people online all the time, not murdering people. Although, I mean, a Twitch <laughs> murder spree did happen, I think, a month ago and yeah. it was shut down much faster than this was. Well, but still, it happens. People live stream this sort of crap, which is a whole other major issue. But also everyone's seen a person like Kurt either in real life or online. And towards the end of the movie, we get that scene where Kurt asks 50,000 people that are watching him if he should fuck, marry or kill Jesse. And the whole stream is voting. And it starts off as a close race between, let's be honest, rape and kill Mm -hmm. before a huge percentage of people vote for him to murder her. And I just wanted to call to the fact that this film is much more entrenched in reality than we might think. Like in 2016, an Uber driver killed six people and also seriously injured two others. And I mean, Kurt killed what, like 10 people in this film. It's like so accurate and atrocious of what's going on in our world. And it's always, you know, the cishet white guys that have this like power complex. He's not even like thinking about it. That's how self-absorbed he is. Wait, did you say six? So, do you think that Kurt was referencing this event as this, the record? I hope not. I mean, maybe he, he might. Because yeah, 2016, an Uber driver killed six people and we're not going to share that person's name or anything. But yeah, I'm just saying. but I'm curious if that was a weird Easter egg. Yeah, maybe. I also want to point out that it's very uh, prevalent in uh, mass killings that the killer, who is usually a cishet white male, will kill their maternal figures, be it if they live with their grandmother or if they live with their mother, they'll kill them first. Um, And usually they also target more women than men. I just wanted to name that as Mm -hmm. well, because Kurt kills his mom right at the start. And you and I, Kelly, we had an interesting conversation about this where you mentioned, do you remember this? Do you want to say Mm -hmm. what you thought? I had read something probably on Twitter, Um, but sometimes serial killers will murder their like parents because they either don't want them to live in a world where they have to see their child like prosecuted or get um, like abused by propaganda and stuff like that. Or what's the word? Paparazzi, like getting basically they don't want them to show up in the media. So they think they're doing them a favor by killing them before they go on their murder spree in their like fucked up logic. They would rather protect their family by killing them than not doing the killing in the first place. Yeah, which is interesting to me because from what I've seen, it's more of that's like the the first place to start Mm. the person that's like affected your life somehow. I'm sure it varies from person to person for sure. Yeah. And then with Kurt, like his dad is more the person that ruined his life. Like he left and his mom is like left alone to raise him, but he still kills her first. Yeah. So it's shitty. And steals her crystal thingy. Yeah. Keeps it with him. When he switches cars, he takes it with him. Yeah. Uh, Which was an interesting thing because he doesn't actually take tokens of everybody that he's murdered. At least that's not something that I noticed from my current watch throughs, but I'll I'll keep an eye out next time. Um, I mean, like the second person left her like real estate sign in the back seat and he ended up throwing that away. So I think it's more about the views. Follow for follow. Hashtag the lesson. Yeah. My next point is actually centered around something we haven't done in a really long time because we're we're trying to be very uh, pro copyright and make sure that we don't step on any toes. But I'm breaking the rules. I'm putting the link in the description. But I did want to include a clip here at the Sundance Q&A from 2020. One of the first questions that was asked was basically like, how hard was it to navigate all the cameras, the angles, all the technical parts of the film? And it was framed as being like the critical thing, the hardest, most important part of this movie. And the director actually reframed the question and the answer because the actual hardest part of the film 
was creating the character perpetrating violence that nobody would want to emulate. It was very important to them that they wouldn't want to create a hero. It was supposed to be that Kurt is cringe and funny, (laughs) but like awful. Yeah. Uh, And they spoke about how much time they put into formulating the character of Kurt and how they crafted him, which I really appreciated in that clip. But this is a later part of the interview that we're going to play now as a little added bonus. My attitude towards it is like, it's a very sad situation we're all in that we don't really have a choice about. Like, I think one of the analogies I brought up maybe early on was like, it's kind of like if you're in 13th century Europe and like you say, well, I don't believe in God. That makes you heretical, right? Like if you get off of social media, basically don't exist in a weird way. So you wake up in the morning and you know God is always watching and every decision you make is going to have reverberations and judgments, you know? So it's the reality we're in. And I just thought it was really important and all the actors really got it um, to critique this, to make fun of this, to really expose how twisted and demented and how normal, sadly, it's all become. And um, just, I thought it was really funny that we all had to like cringe and laugh at it because, you know, think pieces and like deep analysis and stuff, they just, you just forget that because then you start scrolling more. But I think if you make people laugh and gasp, that was feels better. I, I think that reading the script initially, that was the thing that kind of, uh, I thought was so smart about it was the fact that I, it was shocking and it was funny, but I do I, I, I always thought from the beginning that Eugene had a really interesting point of view or thing to say, and I really hoped at the end of the day that there would be a conversation starter because I know I finished the script and was kind of had to set it aside and just think about it for a couple of days because it, it really brought up some serious points. So, so I thought that clip was really interesting because they're talking about like, critiquing social media and how, you know, making a think piece about this sort of issue isn't going to last. People will read that and then forget about it. Whereas this movie, which is so ironic because or not ironic, it's exactly what I was describing earlier. I've watched this film so many times (laughs) because it's so great. And what they say, they make people laugh. They give that shock value Uh, But they still crafted it as a conversation starter Mm -hmm. about the atrocities of social media, which is also so funny that Joe Keery is starring in Spree because he's been so like hypersexualized with his hair Mm. and like the hair of Stranger (laughs) Things. Like he can't change his hair. And he's made so many comments about how people are obsessed with his hair and it's really fucking weird. (laughs) Um, So great on them for casting him as Kurt. Yeah. Uh, But I thought that it was really interesting to see the the reasonings of why they wanted to make this movie in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's hard to talk about this movie without kind of comparing it to Dashcam because they all they both kind of cover similar subject matter. Um, I don't know how I picked both of them also to be in our Halloween extravaganza. Listen, it's the that. reality we live in, unfortunately. <laughs> but this will definitely go in the, the category of movies that in 20 years, if the world hasn't burnt up in a fiery hellscape, um, if a younger person is like, what was it like living in 2020 blank? I would show them this movie as a like sad commentary on as weird and fucked up as this movie is it's not too far away from reality um and i had mentioned in dashcam how found footage movies kind of do that they capture what it was like to live in that moment and sort of immortalize them in an entertaining movie and Mm -hmm. as yeah again as weird and over the top as spree is nothing of this movie is unbelievable i could see all of this everything in this movie i could see happening which sucks and is terrible um but i could point at this movie in the future and be like this is what it was like this is how we lived and it's also like if you think about this as if it was a real thing it's up to those fifty thousand people watching that his stream didn't get shut down. Yeah. Nobody reached out to the pe- the fucking whatever Twitch equivalent that he was streaming on. Nobody actually called the cops. There was so much like it's very similar to Dashcam too of like is this real ha ha ha. At least in Dashcam people are mentioning, "Oh, we should call the yeah. cops." I don't think anyone in the side scroll is mentioning it. It's more the evil side yeah. of Twitch, the really misogynistic paternal like patriarchy shit yeah yeah 
Yeah. What's that thing called when there's like a crowd and nobody does anything because there's mob mentality mob or bystander bystander effect? Yeah. Where it's like yeah. everybody there probably in a small degree assumes somebody else is calling the cops. So none yeah. of them do. And yeah. until you point at one of them and say, you over there, call the cops. Nobody will. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it for my thoughts. Ooh. <sighs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drinking and Screaming. We've been talking about Spree with Joe Keery. How wild. Make sure to hit our Twitter up. Follow us. Retweet everything. If we had a YouTube, I would have you go smash that bell and hit that subscribe button. But unfortunately, all we have is this really fucked up book covered in, in skin and a human face on it that constantly screams. So... You've been waiting for it. You've been asking for it. And it's finally time. We're going to do an unboxing of this bad boy. So as you can see on the surface of here, we got multiple different skins from different people, which does imply that this company really values going out in the world and killing multiple people for their weird macabre cult-like sacrifices. And we're just going to go ahead right here. I'm going to unfurl this little ribbon that seems to be made of uh you know nerve and uh, other type of internal tissue really quality you can feel it right here just touching this thing you can feel that quality that's money right there and again remember to subscribe remember to retweet and it is time to open the i don't know what that was i don't know what that was so good that it's not even appropriate to the level of Kurt Kogel, who is so awkward. Like that was the opinion. Like it was still cringe of like how much it was like, follow us, blah, blah, blah. The typical YouTuber, but oh man, (laughs) Kurt's even worse than that. My favorite of all time is when he gives the, the, the peace sign to multiple angles in his car. Yeah. He's just so like awkwardly happy because about it. If you're a premium subscriber, you can choose your own angles. Yeah. And if you join if you join our Patreon, we've been lacking on putting any content up there. So you're really just supporting us. Thank you. Which we really appreciate. Patreon.com slash drink and screen. Um, but tell me, what are you recommending? Well, had an out-of-body experience there. Um, my recommendation is the purge from 2013. Weirdly enough, Spree kind of feels like it takes place during the purge because he gets away with so much without anybody Mm. stopping him. Um, And that's the whole gist of the purge. So if you want a movie about everyone getting to live out Spree, watch uh, The Purge from 2013. Nice. My recommendation is Untraceable from 2008. Definitely a different decade. It has that sort of like kind of cringe vibes Mm. of its own but this is more of a horror than a thriller it follows a police officer and her team as they attempt to stop a serial killer who sets up their victims in elaborate traps connected to a live stream website where the more people who tune in the faster the victim dies Mm. and i feel like that social commentary is kind of in vain with this so that's untraceable from 2008 Mm -hmm. scaredy facts and this is the part of the podcast where we turn off the stream we relax we're no longer in character and we uh grab some trivia facts and some snacks non-sponsored snacks just whatever we feel like eating (laughs) and uh realize that at the end of the day we're all just people and social media made us like this yeah 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 we're our snack of choice right now we have this like little pumpkin dude. They're dressed in uh, like a pinstripe suit. They've got a jack-o'-lantern as a head and it's hollow. And inside we got a variety of Halloween candies we've been munching on. Mm-hmm. But let's dive in here. Starting with the budget. I don't fucking know, but I can tell you I'm shocked. The gross worldwide. I think it's got to be a mistake. 50,000, 50,000. Mm. 50. This is what I got from IMDb directly. And I just feel that it can't be right. It's starring Joe Curie. <laughs> I mean, can't be. I feel like it was early enough in the pandemic that maybe like streaming wasn't set up right. And it probably came out in theaters. Mm. And I yeah, I could see that being more a fault of COVID than of the movie itself. 
Yeah, it's very just take it with a grain of salt because I have no idea what happened there. But that's true with what Kelly's saying. That could be a factor for sure. Or that would be a factor for sure. Mm-hmm. This came out in 2020. So um, let's start off with this trivia. I don't have too much. It was limited, but I did include that Sundance Q&A clip. So that was bonus scary facts mm-hmm. earlier. But when building the character of Kurt Kunkel, the director and star Joe Keery watched cringe compilations <laughs> and videos from people without a big following. They did this. They consumed hours of content to be able to craft the right feeling for Kurt. And I feel like that came off in a really great way. Yeah. Yeah. It, as I said, it was very realistic and having slipped occasionally into some of the not great forums. Uh, this definitely is indicative of those kind of personalities. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned this a few times in the show. So they've got the chat bar is like sliding on the screen while Kurt's doing all his killings. That Those were all written by the director, Eugene Kotliarenko, in about 40 all-nighters. And earlier in that Sundance clip, which the link is in the description if you would like to watch that whole... uh, Sorry, I just clicked the button for my standing desk and everything (laughs) moved. (laughs) That scared me. But um, he mentions, he asks the audience, did you even see the chat? Like, was that worth it? And he asks, like, he does a poll in the theater and it must, you don't see the audience, but a lot of people must have raised their hands, which is great. Joe Curie mentioned that he didn't, he had to watch the film four times before he could even look at the chat bar, which is funny (laughs) because that's something, I mean, Kelly and I, we watch Twitch all the time. We are on a lot of Twitch streams, so it's kind of like. A lot of information that you have to get absorbed all at once, but I couldn't imagine not even looking at the chat bar and they were afraid that people wouldn't. So that was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. You didn't mention the other fun fact in that one. I'm about to, but okay. I thought you were going to say something. No, I was waiting for that because I read ahead. Oh, <laughs> well, don't read ahead. It's hard not to. <laughs> I'm on Twitch all the time, so I'm reading things while the streamer is talking. <laughs> Uh, during the scene where uh, they're at the taco truck, a comment on Kurt's stream says, what up? I'm Jared. I'm 19 and I never fucking learned how to read, uh, which is a reference to a famous vine by Josh O'Vale, who plays Bobby in the film. Yeah. And I wanted to give an extra little scaredy fact here that everyone who was featured in the film is basically playing a heightened version of themselves. Oh, uh, like Jesse Adams is a comedian. She was on SNL in real life. Um, DJ Uno, um, David Arquette. I mean, he's not like a deadbeat dad or anything, but like he got to explore that other side of him. And uh, the guy who's Jesse Adams, like quote unquote friend who's trying to basically get in her pants was also part of the comedy scene. Mm. So they really worked on that exploring that heightened version of themselves in these characters, which I thought was cool. I mean, I really hope that's not the case for all of the characters because there was a full on white supremacist at the beginning. (laughs) Yes. Okay. sorry. I shouldn't say everyone, but uh, I, it was mentioned in the Q&A. Yeah. Uh, well, that's good to know. Um, yeah, I feel like I, I had seen, uh, Sashir Zamata in SNL clips. I haven't watched like a full episode of SNL in years, but, um, yeah. And then when she showed up, I was like, it was that sort of lizard brain where I'm like, that looks, she looks really familiar. I swear I've seen her in something, but, um, that was probably it. Yeah. When Kurt heads to Bobby's house to confront him about Bobby not promoting his live stream, Kurt mentions that he has seven kills so far. I think he says seven people. However, he has only killed six passengers in his car that night, which foreshadows the reveal that he killed his mom in the beginning of the movie. Which for me, the first time we watched this, I didn't anticipate that at all until later, right at the end when we see his mom is dead. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. That's true. I don't think I even picked up on that the, uh, the second time we watched it. <laughs> Only two scenes in Spree were filmed with a film camera. And I wish that this scary fact went further into detail. Which scenes? I don't know. <laughs> I would love to know. That's really cool. Uh, but we don't know. They were using like the GoPros on the I don't know if they're GoPros, but similar style on the car windows and yeah. phone cameras for most of it. Hmm. Yeah, I'm curious which ones they were, too. And then this is my own scary fact. 
that maybe I should add to IMDb. When discussing getting into character, Joe Curie said a key part was doing one-on-one videos with the director, review videos, random chats, etc. that Kurt would have posted, and putting tons of coconut oil into his hair for the quote-unquote grease factor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I... Because he probably did this while filming Stranger Things. So he probably wasn't allowed to cut his hair, but um, he did a great job making it look different than uh, Steve Harrington's. Yeah. And that was the thing, too, though, with this whole like filming of these random bits of content. Anytime on set that there would be an issue with cameras or weather issue, whatever it might be him and the director would just go off and like make those like awkward videos to include <laughs> in the uh the montages and stuff. Good. He has a TikTok and an Instagram that feature Kurt's world content. It's in uh, character. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> you can follow Kurt's world 96 and get that sweet sweet content. It doesn't post frequently, but it has like 5 million followers or whatever, of course, because you're watching me, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guys you're watching me <laughs> oh god the third i just went the third one is a video of him shirtless holding a katana <laughs> oh god uh, but that's it that's all the scaredy facts i have for you uh final thoughts Okay, the kills and the twists really get you the first time watching, but I don't think I could ever be bored watching this film. So my question is, Spree 2 when? (laughs) Kurt's got to be alive somehow. He got crushed with a car, but I could see him coming back and I want to watch it. (laughs) Or just like people emulating Kurt. I can't, though. It was Kurt that made it real. (laughs) I love Kurt. I need more. Yeah, I don't know. I guess my final thought is bouncing off yours where it's like, I don't know if I could see a spree too because it relied so heavily on Joe Keery. Like, I, I can definitely see other movies like Spree, but I don't think you'll ever recapture is seeing Joe Keery as just this awkward Internet boy, especially after seeing him as Steve. Or, uh, yeah, as Steve Harrington. <laughs> Well, that's been Spree, a movie about the struggles of living in late-stage capitalism. Oh, that one wasn't a joke. (laughs) Next week, we'll be continuing our Halloween movie nights by watching Color Out of Space from 2019. And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and logo designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drinkandscream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com. 